here day three of meditation just crying and pacing I find myself just overcome with being upset about um, or sad uh, longing to spend time with Ollie and Mackie the dogs again my dogs um, you know feeling that fully like Tuesdays with Maury you know, um, and I took them on a fake walk where I was pretending like I was walking them in the desert because <laughs> we had so much good times and, you know, I'll probably right now I'm even still raw about it. I can't, I can't say that. I can't say that I'm ever going to get totally over that, you know, um, there's a feeling of what was, what could have been, what could be now, but I have let them go on a, you know, ethereal, practical level, let them out of my purview, my control. Um, then later that week, maybe day seven, let's say, had a vision of, you know, wake, wakeful vision, essentially, um, of a life where I have a child. Um, I go on a date or not even a date, just like. I show up at Sarah Beck's house, my childhood friend. I told her about this on the phone the other day, but um, I show up at her house, we make love, um, very passionate because, you know, the whole lifetime spent apart practically and then finally coming back together. Um, we have, we have pet names for each other from, you know, basically friend names, but in this case they became pet names, Esther and Ramon, I'm Ramon, obviously, I guess, and, uh, we had a daughter, and she's a baby, and then a toddler, and I'm playing with the toddler, Kind of like I play with Bailey <laughs> in these VHS videos. And I'm loving it. I'm just, I care so much for her, uh, for them both. And I just feel so happy to have a family. Um, you know, just like a family with a child that we, you know, had together. And we name her Esther. Um... And, you know, talking in the kitchen, like, you know, she's talking to a friend and I just like go to bed, kind of like Sarah Beck's dad 
goes to bed. Um, you know, he's like a really hardworking medical professional, so, you know, he doesn't hang out long and chat, um, and that's kind of what I did, and, you know, I'm in, like, computer programming or something, uh, I don't think that was necessarily part of it, um, and I'm allergic to the cats, but we keep them anyway, <laughs> so... And in that moment, I I what was I saying? Oh, I um I wanted to call her and tell her and and, and like like I was like planning a trip. I was like I want to come out for the weekend. Like I didn't tell her Sarah this, but at that time I was just like this is reality. This is this is what I was looking for. I had no idea. You know, uh, this could be real. And I thought, "Hey, can I come down to Austin for 3 days and stay with you and just try this out?" You know? Um like a date. <laughs> weekend date and um never leave <laughs> but uh you know I, I calm down and you know a lot of this you know I guess these would be described in the vipassana kind of vernacular uh meditation um vernacular as uh, sankaras which are kind of deep you know, unconscious, subconscious uh, um, things that come up um, and exit and vaporize. And, um, you know, this guy, that this black guy, really amazing, interesting person um, who drove up in our ride share together. He... Um, apparently lost the feeling in his arms and just felt this incredible weight in his arms for a while and had these different sensations and and people were worried about him apparently I wasn't noticing I guess but uh, he described you know sexual abuse as a child and um, he said that he released that you know and he or at least confronted it. He had uh, basically quit his job to go on this 10-day retreat. And he was concerned on the way back that he may not come back or get it back. But um, his job back, I guess. But I gave him a very fond farewell and wished him the best. On the way uh, back, actually, I was so, like, drained like, I mean, digestively that week, like, I mean, they were serving, like, prunes and oatmeal for breakfast every day, and it was just, like, and, like, the water, and just, like, the different water, and it was just flushing me out, and I wasn't eating dinner, and I was just, like, losing a bunch of weight, and just, like, flushing my body out, especially on the last day, it was just, like, whoa, this is, I was meditating, it was, like, the gurgling in my stomach was so profoundly loud and varied. Like, some people just have, like, 
Mine was like, you know, like just like a symphony, a cacophonous, you know, track. It was just like, it was absurd. So like, I mean, I never left the meditation room midway through. Except for the last day when I was having the craziest stomach gurgles. And I went out to drink some water and the guy came out and checked on me. And I was like, dude, I gotta drink some water and stay out here. Like, I can't go back in. He's like, well, you know, the teacher, he's like, do you, he's asking if you want some Pepto or do you need something? Like, he's always trying to offer something. And I was like, no, man, I just need, like, can I just, like, stay out here? Like, I just need, like, some water, stay out here. He's like, you know, I go back in, and he's like, come back up, you know. And then, like, I go back out, and he's like, you can leave for a while. So I go back to my apartment, or my little room, whatever, cell, um, and just, like, my body just empties itself in a way that I haven't experienced um, yeah, I just imagine that's what would happen to your body if you, like, ate watermelon every day for seven days, or something like that, it was ten days, or just ate watermelon, <laughs> I've heard that's a thing, but, um, or do, like, a master cleanse or something, so, that, and it's funny, I'm kind of, like, I go in and out of being kind of self-aware of how I look right now and how I sound. Because I just, you know, spent a day watching VHS tapes of myself through through the years. So it's interesting to think of myself in this new light. I mean, I think I have a more, more clarity um, just about my mannerisms or my... my how I'm perceived externally or how I have been and what's the through line there you know what's my vibration what's my aura I guess so meditation retreat um and then I'll tell you a little bit about peyote and then so like eat pray love you know I'll get to love last but um peyote so I'm exhausted right now I I feel like I shouldn't even go into it until I have more energy but while I'm on the topic just like that compassion came through I mean, after I threw up, you know, I'm sure it would have been a deeper even experience if I hadn't vomited twice. But, you know, I had to. It's just what it wasn't even it was just totally involuntary. I took a picture of the stain I left. I like couldn't even walk over to the, you know, grass. I was like sitting in the chair just throwing up, but.
So that I felt that compassion. It was raining for much of the night. Um, so I was under the tent, and it was lightning, and I could have definitely been hit by lightning. Um, no doubt about it. Like there was like a metal tent I was under, and I was kind of up on a hill, overlooking mountain. You know, kind of like a mountain. Um, bats coming back and forth above my head. To start the night. I mean, that happened the first night of the meditation retreat during sunset. And I was just having Satori or something like nature connection moment. Um, so bats, bats, bats. And then like the bats back and forth. There's like probably a couple of them just back and forth under the tent while it was raining. And a little bit after. Um, maybe that was just after, but I felt sexual for a while. Like I was just like, kind of like touching my chest and it wasn't like sexual in the sense of like normal sexuality. It was more like a deeper, almost like I was having sex with nature or something like nature was just like, you know, like up in me in a sort of like deep, you know, whole body way, you know, it was like sensory, I guess it was like a body high moment. And then, um, a little bit of hallucination, but mostly just kind of like observing the desert around me. It was like a desert in the rain, you know? Um, and listening to the sensation, you know, the sound um, of the rain and the feeling of the bats wafting over me and like, and then after it stops raining, I stand up, kind of finally, I never, I was like, oh, I don't have to sit here, you know, I just like stood up and I was wearing these like, those Darth Vader, uh, things that I got for at Kohl's for like three dollars Darth Vader house shoes and it felt kind of like moccasins in that moment and you know it's peyote and I have this like sort of um Native American heritage um on both sides of the family and so I come down you know I, I exit the tent sort of um structure I come under that and to the left of where I was sitting and I look up and it's a full moon and I didn't expect that or the moon to even be visible because of the clouds but I just remember like holding my hand up to it and looking at my the silhouette of my hand against the moon and just thinking about like my ancestors and how they might must have felt and feeling that with them and sort of like a line through time and the scape of the clouds around the moon kept changing covering the moon and then revealing it again but mostly the moon shone through and it was just I felt like if I looked away and then like look back at the moon it would be completely different and it felt like that was true 
um, it just was just ever changing, beautiful. And I like opened up my shirt and just like let the moon, um, let that like the moonbeam just like enter my body through my chest and through my face, and I just like let it. I just felt that some power like just infuse in me, just beam into me. Um, occasionally heard like rustles in the trees and the bushes nearby, but just like learn to accept it and not be afraid. And finally the moon covered up, but in this moment with the moon, it, it felt like I was, like I said, connecting back in time and f- maybe even forward in time. Um, and, and feeling the compassion that I felt before and also feeling a sense of responsibility and empowerment um, where doubts I have about what I'm doing um, or the direction I'm going which is pervasive throughout this trip and this year um, we're kind of settled with this sensation of a combination of compassion for myself and also a a feeling of responsibility to you know, shine to be who I naturally am and not to try to wiggle out of that or conform to some other idea of who I should be to really open up finally just to shine and be me and because, you know, why? Well, I would find out later that night or I'd have an image of why when I saw Orion later. But at this point I just moved by the I'm moved by the moon. And I don't know how long I stood there. I even grabbed my balls at one point <laughs> and squeezed them and it wasn't like I felt no sexual sexual titillation whatsoever. Um, I just felt like I should, and I just, like, rubbed my chest, my bare chest, under this shirt. So, then I, like, decided to gather up my stuff and walk back to the place, and not, uh, I think partially, like, I need to take a shit, um, and then partially, like, the moon had like covered up and so I just felt like I needed to take a shit and I didn't want to sit down again I guess I stood up and that was it I'm standing so I gathered up some of the stuff like a bag with a pi- my pillow in it and then like my backpack that I brought with some like different clothes if I wanted to change some sh- my shirt and some like water and stuff and I just put the backpack on and carried the the white bag with my pillow 
and um, started walking, and I'm wearing those moccasins, those like house shoes with Darth Vader on them. Um, so it's you know it's a rocky path, and at times it felt painful to walk. Uh, maybe I even felt more sensitive, but I think it was more that it was just the shoes were inappropriate, but I had other shoes, but I felt this desire to walk in these shoes. I mean, it just felt more authentic. Um, and then like I was walking and part of it was very painful. Part of it was fine. Regardless, I could feel the texture of the ground beneath me and it wasn't going to cut me um necessarily it was it was just I could feel the sharp you know the the stones push through and in that sen- in that moment I felt like it was almost a trial or it was a trial um I looked back at the moon you know that was covered by the clouds to gain some strength and then you know toward the end it uncovered again I kept looking back at the moon and then proceeding forward on this sort of trial of walking over stones sharp stones and then I take the trail back and I go in I maybe I sat for a while but pretty soon I went in and took a shit and the nightlight was this constantly changing rain you know color changing light and so it was kind of trippy but you know went for it took a shit in this particular bathroom you don't flush your toilet paper so I like brought Fortunately, I had, like, bought some, like, wet wipes, and I was, like, folding them up and throwing them away. But my shit, because I fasted for a day beforehand, my shit was straight up green. You know, it was just, like, green liquid. Um, so, I go back out, and I take a seat, and I'm just enjoying the moon just outside the house where everybody was sleeping. And I'm sitting in this sort of like lawn chair, I guess, or some sort of whatever tailgating chair. And watching the moon again. And so there's a cloudscape, but it's brightened by the moonlight. And bats start to flurry around me um I would say I'm not sure I could put a number to it but it was at least 20 bats um maybe 15 20 bats and I could see them in the moonlight flying in front of me I could hear them going over my head and feel the wind I could hear them their echolocution I could you know I think they were eating behind me under the like sort of um the 
edge of the roof. Or they were capturing bugs just like out of the air. Um, and part of me was scared. It was a lot of bats. Like, at any one point, these bats could have what? What is folklore or what do the urban legends say? They like steal, you know, rip your scalp off or scratch you or steal your hair or something like that. Um, you know, what do 80s movies say about bats? But, you know, I just like stayed still and witnessed this moment. And that was kind of a trial. That was a trial in itself. Um, but I got over it and really enjoyed that moment. Um, I, the cloudscape was covering the sky, except for the moon most of the time. And at some point I just looked to the left and the clouds were parted so that I could see one constellation, which was Orion. And what I gathered from that, um, I was thinking about a man with a sword and a belt, you know, like a warrior, a soldier. Um, or more like a princely soldier. And I thought about myself in those terms, like a princely soldier, not a, you know... A lover, not a fighter, but a fighter for love or a fighter for art or, you know, a prince where not in terms of financial wealth, but wealth of power. Um, and I felt emboldened by that, like that was the answer to the question of how I can be responsible for this um being my full self and how I can use the power of the moon I mean the power of that realization but maybe even in a way a literal infusion of moonbeam or moon power that I had taken in how I can use that power responsibly um So I felt emboldened by Orion that I was Orion. Um, I was a manifestation of Orion in that moment. Um, I was emboldened by the bats, emboldened by the path, infused by the moon, and manifested as Orion a princely warrior. I also, there's this, <laughs> there's this guy there that was reading a lot of books and, you know, of course I've been reading a lot of books over the past year and he showed me a lot of his books the night before, the night of, you know, a couple hours before I went out and he was, I guess he was a black guy. Um, you know, brown, brown skin man, you know, I know that's a social construct, but just to describe him, and, but I had this vision of, um, him 
as like this like messenger slash lover um where he in my fantasy in that moment it was kind of like a sexual fantasy and you know this kind of goes back to what Anne the sort of arbiter of this whole you know experience who gave me the tea and kind of um accepted my donation and explained situations she said it's a revealer you know it's a storyteller but it's also a trickster so maybe this was a situation that I was kind of tricked um by feeling this sexual fantasy where I thought of him I'm not sure his name or if I got his name but I thought of him as named Oman and he appeared to me and he without me speaking um recognized that I wanted him to I wanted to see him naked and so he removed his clothes before me outside in this moment um or at least I, that's what I was imagining that he would be able to intuit what I desired and so he took off his clothes and just took in the moonlight um, as I observed him and I um, just felt so much gratitude for him you know succumbing to my wish without me even having to ask um, that kind of that reminds me of one of the first times that I was sort of like trying to you know um, experience gay sex or gay intimacy um, in Japan I remember I had sort of my one of my first uh, sexual experiences um, but I don't think it came to much like I didn't really know how and he, you know, but we had had a night where we were just dancing together and it was so cool and I just felt so into that. But regardless, um, I remember talking to Emily and Camilla, my friends in Kyoto, um, and we were walking across the like Sanjo Bridge or Shijo Bridge um, near Gion. And I was talking about how um, I just wanted the person I'm with to intuit or to feel what I wanted without me having to ask. Um, and they kind of pooed it or discounted it at that time like no you have to ask for what you want you have to say what you want or else you're not going to get it and I you know took that kind of as somewhat direct harsh criticism but still even now I think I've maintained sort of a um, desire to be intuitively understood especially in a physical, intimate, sexual context, like, just to, um, explore, um, and find things that I may not be able to articulate, even if I can't articulate, um, 
experience the the ebb and flow of that moment um where it doesn't have to be about orders or demands or um even compromise just flow so man you know i'm having that trickster moment i guess um i even like kind of like the sarah beck thing like i just like thought like oh i need to go wake him up so that i can have this experience in real world and i was like no that's not gonna happen he's like and i'm like be brave go do it he's just around the corner in that bedroom and i was like "Mm, no and i'm glad i didn't because i had a good conversation with him the next day where i talked a little bit about this um minus all the sexualness and um he was very kind of closed and like focused on like reading and stuff like that. So, um, and he was a stockbroker and, um, he was straight, I think. Um, so that would have not have been good if I just showed up in his room. Um, and then like tried to get him to intuitively take off his clothes. So glad I didn't do that. But you know, that, continues this theme of like I think that experience that part of it um logic and or the the rational mind and the limits of it and how it doesn't define us um how intuition spirituality um is greater more profound more connected with some concept of truth or God or oneness, um, consciousness or flow. And the rational mind is a tool that in our culture we put a profound emphasis on. And I think Ram Das says it's it's playing with fire because it's... Um, it can't become everything, right? I mean, what what's within us is everything. And that is not the rational mind. The rational mind is an aspect. It's a part. It's a tool.